Chapter Nine of New Adventures of Alice by John Ray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Nine, Tub and Tunnel. Alice soon found herself sitting on the edge of the tub with the others, who were all now eating in ravenous silence. On one side of her sat the milkman, who was having a very hard time to keep his own equilibrium on the unstable seat and at the same time balance the now empty can which he had again placed on his head on the other side sat the tiny fellow with the drum which he was now using with great success as a bowl for the bread and milk having this advantage over the others who were forced to scoop it up with their hands he finished his meal first poor alice on the other hand although very hungry had been unable to get any food for every time she reached down to scoop it up she nearly lost her balance and besides the tub seemed always to roll in such a way as to keep the bread and milk just out of her reach so after a while she gave up the attempt altogether and turned to look at the dwarfish being beside her alice now noticed for the first time that he wore a curious shiny yellow hat exactly like a small brass candle holder on top of which was a short stub of candle from an inside pocket of his long tightly buttoned yellow duster he now drew forth a large cart with a deep black border joe smith thirty six plus four minus seven m m candlesticks executed and repaired this card he handed to alice with quite a flourish why she exclaimed i thought she wore a drummer although she added i might have known that the candlestick maker went about with the butcher and the baker you see said the little man with really quite a high society air as alice said afterward candlestick making is nice light work for one of my size i'm a trifle small as you may possibly have noticed my dear the butcher and baker are old neighbors of mine he went on and we always take our vacations together as to the drum i learned to play to please pansy pansy is very musical oh very musical indeed and pointing to the letters m m after his name on the card alice was holding he continued you see i'm a married man clever abbreviation that rather impressive too and avoids all confusion huh? but what are the numbers on the card for in the morning border asked alice feeling that she ought to show a proper amount of interest the numbers give my age beamed the candlestick maker triumphantly that is if you're good at figures two and twenty is the answer i believe if you work it out carefully i make three and thirty alice ventured rather timidly for nothing seemed really dependable at any more not even the rules of arithmetic possibly you're right my dear possibly you're right answered the candlestick maker hastily you know yourself how time flies huh then after a moment's pause he added solemnly the morning band is for the candlesticks i have to execute i never did like that part of the business why once but do let's talk of something else my dear that's not at all a cheerful subject for an after-dinner conversation i say are you good at telling stories there's nothing like a good exciting yarn after dinner eh? alice intended to reply that she could think of no really exciting story at the moment but upon opening her mouth to do so she was astonished to find herself reciting with appropriate gestures the following verses oh the fire bell was ringing in the town of ballyhack and the village choir was singing bring o oh, bring my benny back and now a simple soothing story is this tale of shanghai ben just perhaps a bit too gory where his ears are clipped but then there's a fairly happy ending though the tune is mostly glum as a rule it's quite heart-rending on the foghorn and the drum while the songing and the singing about the bringing back of ben and the donging and the dinging mingled sweetly so that when the policeman who was taking 
of his after-dinner snooze heard it he instead of waking dreamed he read the oxford news during the recital of alice's verses the butcher the baker and the melancholy milkman who had finally finished eating the last of the bread and milk had all been yawning audibly which was of course very rude under the circumstances and seemed to be having an increasingly difficult time to keep awake and to preserve their balance on the rim of the tub just as she came to the last word they all tumbled overboard very neatly and quietly and floated off bobbing up and down like corks on the green water all three snoring in perfect unison they do it precisely as though they had practised it together a great many times thought alice the little candlestick-maker held his signs and rocked back and forth so alarmingly that alice feared he too would fall overboard it was either that part about the after-dinner snooze or the last line about reading the oxford news that finished them he managed to say when he could control his sh shrill laughter it was very unmannerly of them at any rate said alice but shouldn't we try to get them aboard again she felt vaguely that something ought to be done though as a matter of fact all three of the floating sleepers looked perfectly comfortable and happy where they were i make it a rule said the candlestick maker seriously never to disturb a man when he's taken his after-dinner nap he's apt to wake up very cross besides it'll help their digestions to sleep a bit and speaking of digestions he rattled on reminds me of cheese and cheese reminds me of cake now what will you say to a piece oh answered alice in delighted anticipation i'd say thank you very much there's nothing i like better especially pound cake well i'd hardly say all that to a piece of cake i'd never met before said the candlestick maker reprovingly however it doesn't really matter for i wasn't referring to a piece of cake anyhow only to a piece of poetry it's my turn you know he added with a chuckle apparently enjoying his little joke immensely alice sat back with a long sigh of resignation these repeated disappointments in the matter of food were becoming most aggravating i wonder she said to herself wistfully if i shall ever really get anything to eat again the candlestick maker now drew from his pocket a folded sheet of yellow paper which he smoothed out and dusted carefully on both sides with his tiny handkerchief he then handed it to alice remarking with a pleasant smile perhaps you'd rather read it yourself eh? it's really most appropriate to this occasion my dear then without waiting for a reply he cleared his throat complacently once or twice and taking the paper out of alice's hand before she had had time to more than glance at the first line he read with great satisfaction <coughs> a matter of taste what kind of food do i prefer my tastes are simple quite i like the pickled chestnut burr and now and then a bite of sugared oleander bark and in the early spring green cactus gathered after dark on tuesday is the thing some claim that kerosene and sand though ticklish to the tongue beats even frozen fritters and is fine for old and young a friend of mine once used to make a stew of lizard legs and linseed oil while jelly cake he'd sold away in kegs of course we can't be all alike in what we choose to chew a fine puree of railroad spike might not appeal to you but that reminds me uncle ben to ask you what's your choice what victuals do you call for when your appetite you voice do you demand wild roses plant or chocolate-coated eels unc scratched his head then slowly said what 
I like most is meals. As any reference to food was becoming very painful to Alice, she made no comment on this doggerel, and in the interval of silence that followed, the candlestick maker, with the injured air of one whose best efforts have been unappreciated, carefully folded the sheet, sealed it with a bright yellow wafer which he had taken from the pocket of his coat, affixed a stamp with elaborate care, and then, taking a stubby pencil from behind his ear, hastily printed, Important! Please rush! across the back of the folded paper and threw it into the water. The silence finally became so depressing to Alice that she decided to introduce a new subject for conversation. So, pointing to a large for-sale tag, which was tied to one of the handles of the tub, she asked very politely, Is this boat of yours really for sale? Please, or is it only its name? It may be for sale, answered the candlestick maker without looking up. He was now gloomily trying to shine his wet shoes with the ends of his yellow necktie. It may be for sale, he repeated bitterly. But as it hasn't even a for sale certainly wasn't made for sailing he seemed quite pleasantly surprised at his own feeble joke and much to alice's relief recovered his good humour immediately and began vigorously beating his flabby little drum finally placing it upon the floor and dancing a backy pipes jig upon the drumhead the jarring of this dance and loosened some of the staves of the tub and alice saw that leaks were starting in a dozen places do leave off she cried anxiously you'll sink us for sure the candlestick maker stopped his jigging abruptly and selecting the worst leak tried to stop it first with his tiny handkerchief and then by lying along the crap through which the water was pouring in quite a torrent of course this did no good whatever after trying vainly in several other ridiculous ways to stop the increasing leaks he finally shouted in a dramatic voice all hands stand by to man the boats but there aren't any boats said alice smiling in spite of her anxiety and feeling quite proud of her own calmness well women and children first anyhow then cried the candlestick maker who seemed to be thoroughly enjoying the excitement of sinking alice had prepared herself for the worst the tub was filling fast and seemed about to take the final plunge when with a very gentle scraping bump they struck bottom in about eight inches of water must be low tide muttered the candlestick maker in a disappointed voice of course it's all right i suppose for the sea to be tidy but there is such a thing as carrying it too far i say just as we were going down so famously too well said alice i'm rather glad we went aground on the hole but we didn't go aground on any hole for that can't be done you know said the candlestick maker very positively and impressively as if stating some surprisingly unusual fact i meant on the w h o l e not the h o l e of course retorted alice somewhat annoyed by the little man's air of superior wisdom well since you're so sure of it perhaps we had better take a look at any rate said the candlestick maker in a conciliatory manner adding hopefully as he peered over the side it may be only a half you know alice now saw that the sparkling clear water were a great many goldfish who seemed to be having a sort of pursuit race round and round the tub beside the goldfish there were many other aquatic creatures of different sorts and sizes most of them watching the race and a little apart from the rest alice noticed a group of three or four very brown fried oysters talking earnestly together upon catching sight of these the candlestick maker exclaimed my eye but aren't they tanned they must have lived in the tropics a long time by the way you don't happen to have any oyster crackers with you i suppose we could he was interrupted by the familiar shrill sound of a postman's whistle a rather large fish was approaching carrying a leather mail-bag as he drew near alice saw that he wore a neat little grey visored cap upon which was lettered neatly postman 
he seemed to be in a great hurry as postmen usually are taking a rather bulky package from his bag he tossed it to alice remarking pleasantly proper fine day miss then touching his cap he was off nothing for me the candlestick maker called after him but the postman kept on unheeding and soon disappeared from view it's high time i was getting an answer said the little man complainingly but who do you suppose sent me this alice exclaimed surprised and delighted at receiving this unexpected piece of mail probably it's only a note from the stage manager reminding you to be on time for the rehearsal said the candlestick maker trying hard to keep the envy out of his voice though of course after all this delay we are frightfully late already although she had not the slightest idea what rehearsal her little companion was referring to alice did not ask for particulars just then she was too much occupied with her fascinating mail package it was a most interesting-looking one too wrapped in oiled silk and tied with a piece of seaweed furthermore the packet was rather heavy for its size and almost completely covered with two penny stamps except for the small space where alice m was written in green ink what does the m stand for asked the candlestick maker rather suspiciously you see it might mean alice maybe so perhaps it's not for you after all it might even be intended for me this was a rather disturbing thought especially as curiously enough alice could not for the life of her at the moment remember her full name it stands she said hesitating uncertainly as she started to open the package i think it stands for my last name your last name huh how often do you change your name i'd like to know and you can't even be sure what the last one was i suppose alice is the name you had before you changed it for this last one that you can't remember well there is something mighty suspicious about it that's all i can say poor alice was so confused by this rapid and complicated speech that she did not even try to argue about the name but said weakly i suppose so and went on unwrapping her package which proved to contain a small collapsible telescope and a thin pack of little red cards tied together with a broad white ribbon upon which were printed the letters s c t upon each of the cards was written a single word alice read them off just as they happened to come in the pack look yours bean p c truly spyglass sure i wish no doubt it means something said alice half aloud after she had tried many different combinations of the words without success maybe it's some sort of a cipher message said the candlestick maker eagerly he seemed to have entirely forgotten his suspicions and had been looking through the large end of a pocket telescope with great intentness now at alice and now out to where the butcher the baker and the milkman were just disappearing on the horizon he now handled the glass to alice and taking the cards examined them carefully one by one of course that p means that it's a message from the poet he cried excitedly after a moment or two and he almost always uses a secret code then taking from his pocket a little yellow covered notebook he started rapidly thumbing over the pages all of which seemed to be covered with row after row of zeros here it is the candlestick maker finally cried delightedly the s c t on the ribbon means shuffle cards twice then in his excitement instead of putting the book back into his pocket he threw it into the water where it was immediately swallowed by a fat sleepy-looking fish labelled librarian you shuffle them once and then i'll shuffle them once he suggested eagerly they did this and the cards then read look through the spyglass and you'll see that we've been wrecked yours truly p how exciting cried alice and what fun that puzzle was but i do hope none of them was drowned 
and then shutting one eye she raised the spyglass to the other alice found to her astonishment that she was not looking through a telescope at all but was standing in a dark narrow railroad tunnel the opening at the end of the tunnel seemed miles ahead and yet as alice looked through the circle of light she began to see what looked at first like a rather blurry magic lantern picture of a storm at sea as the picture grew clearer she made out in the foreground a number of rats swimming through the waves in two very straight lines like soldiers with one especially large rat who seemed to be a sort of colonel in the lead a little behind these came the poet the cook and the captain apparently engaged in an animated conversation back of this group were the butcher the baker and the milkman all three still sleeping heavily bringing up the rear of this curious procession was a tremendous turtle floundering doggedly along alice laughed heartily at this strangely ridiculous picture <laughs> if only they had a fife and drum it would be a regular aquatic parade she chuckled she was interrupted at this point by the scraping splutter of a match just back of her and turning she saw it was the candlestick maker whom of course she had not noticed in the darkness of the tunnel he was lighting the short candle on top of his hat this done he drew from his pocket which seemed to be inexhaustible a small fife and handing it to alice remarked not bad that idea of yours about the fife and drum music my dear fancy what a tremendous beautiful noise it will make in this tunnel too we might try soldiers of the queen first huh now alice had never before even tried to play a pipe so she was more than a little surprised to find upon attempting it very doubtfully that she could play with considerable ease and flourish the candlestick maker adjusted his drum and they marched along the track the tunnel reverberating with the din of their fifing and drumming alice was so occupied with her delightful new-found accomplishment that for a time she forgot the strange possession of swimmers and when after finishing soldiers of the queen she looked for it again it had changed to merely a blank spot of bright light as one always sees at the end of a tunnel they were about to start on another lively tune when the candlestick maker pointing excitedly shouted here's luck and the dim light thrown ahead by the candle revealed a small hand car standing motionless just ahead of them on the track it proved to be beautifully finished in mahogany and gold with soft blue cushions along the little platform how jolly exclaimed alice the child had always longed to run in one of these cun ride in one of these cunning little cars and running forward she scrambled aboard and then after helping her tiny companion up to the platform beside her started to work the propelling handles up and down away they went very slowly at first but steadily gaining momentum until they were finally going at a very respectable speed though strangely enough this did not seem to get them any nearer the mouth of the tunnel the candlestick maker who was of course too small to help much with the handles was enjoying the ride immensely and he kept saying complacently over and over if pansy could only see me now ah uh, if she only could ever since they had finished playing soldiers of the queen alice had heard a muffled sound of low rumbling and whistling which she had first supposed to be merely the re-echoing of their drumming and fifing in the narrow tunnel but instead of diminishing it was now growing louder and louder and beginning to resemble more and more alarmingly the sound of a railroad engine looking back over to her shoulder alice saw to her dismay that it was an engine still some distance behind them to be sure but gaining fast she redoubled her efforts working the propelling handles up and down frantically in her tear and the hand-car fairly flew along the track their speed being now just about that of the engine the distance between them remained for a while undiminished perhaps we won't have a collision after all alice shouted pantingly the din in the tunnel was now terrific i'm afraid not shrieked the candlestick maker in reply 
he seemed to be deriving even more pleasure from this form of dangerous adventure than he had from the threatened sinking of the tub and in spite of her anxiety and exertions alice could not help smiling a little when he extracted from his wonderful pocket a large onion a baby's nursing bottle the kind with a large long rubber tube and a dictionary and hurled them one after another at the approaching railroad engine this seemed to afford the little man huge enjoyment as he threw the dictionary he panted happily if that ever strikes between the cars it'll do the work it is just full of heavy words always ready to argue and feeling besides that a little conversation might stiffen her courage a bit alice shouted but injuns haven't any ears you know what shrieked the candlestick maker do you mean you never saw an engineer and then completely overcome with appreciation of his own little joke he rolled about the platform of the swaying hand-car holding his sides and fairly choking with merriment his drum breaking from its strap as he rolled about went bouncing off onto the track in front of the oncoming engine the candle went out and boom there was a terrific explosion and the car with alice clinging desperately to it shot out of the dark tunnel into brilliant sunlight End of chapter nine